with the phrase that good is the enemy of great. Ever heard that before? Basically, the premise is, is that um, is that we stop at good enough. We stop at eh, good enough, which is not always. Sometimes it's it's important to to realize that things are hey things are good enough. Like perfectionism, being a perfectionist. Um, doesn't always serve you well. Some, we know that things can always be a little bit better. But there's also that this a, a greatness that we're going after in our relationship with God that we we don't want to settle. And that good, a good relationship, or even what we're going to talk about some, a good church, a good, it can oftentimes be the enemy of, of great. And I believe that we... We actually, as the church, as the body of Christ, we're designed for greatness. We're actually created, redeemed, designed for greatness. And the world actually needs a great church. They need you to be great. They need you to be great at a whole bunch of things. They need you to be great at loving people. They need you to be great at serving people. They need you to be great at interacting with people. They need you to be great in your relationship with God. Now, like I said, I started off talking about transition and that we are constantly in this transition of of growing and learning and becoming great. And And just so you don't think that I'm just talking about you being great, your greatness, actually, what's what we're going to talk about, your greatness actually lies in Him. It's not you just being great. It's actually His design for you and your relationship with Him that actually brings greatness to the church and to us individually. It's not because we're good at things or because of anything special we necessarily do, but it, but we are designed, we were redeemed and created, I believe, for greatness. And um, How much more will... Uh, a great church invite people into relationship with God than a broken one. Good church does okay. And so that, that's what I want to talk about. I, there's a... I want, if you have your Bibles with if you want to turn to Ephesians. Just a, a wonderful series of verses. I've preached on this before. Um, I just feel like it's the heart of... Um, of God for today and now Ephesians is a is a letter I think sometimes it's it's important for us to remember that the Bible is actually written in a place and time it's it was a long time ago so sometimes we can kind of detach from it and oh yeah that's the Bible but it's actually written to a, a real group of people just just like this group of people. They were a real group of people. They had real challenges and struggles and problems and issues. And they were, they were real. And it was written from a real person. It was from a, a, the letter to the church in Ephesus, which is a little bit different than we think about church now, but really similar in a lot of ways. It was actually written... From a, a person actually wrote down and had this, these instructions and these, 
insights and this wisdom through the Holy Spirit, but written to a group of people. And so sometimes we think that the Bible is written to us. And I would say that the Bible was actually written for you, but not to you. I know it's maybe semantics, but that the Bible actually, that when the Holy Spirit was, we use the word downloading, of course, that's a new term, but uh, (laughs) since the 90s. But when we talk about downloading, the, the Holy Spirit literally downloaded the word to men in order for, uh, to, to mankind, in order for everyone that would follow. That it wasn't just to the church in Ephesus. That when we read Ephesians, that it wasn't just to them, but it was actually to them. But there is a lot of it that was for us. It's not all of it was for us. So I think it's important that as we read through this, we think of the the the, the deity of the Bible, the 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 God inspired part of the Bible, but we also also speak we also think of the humanity of the Bible. I, I'm not trying. I don't want to get anyway. I don't want to go too far into that whole thing and shut off anybody who. But the point being is that we that I want us to think about that group of people. Because the the church in Ephesus was doing good. I'm going to start reading in 15. It says, for this reason, and we're going to talk, we're going to go back and uh, and talk about that reason and stuff, but we're going to pick up here. Um, Sorry, uh, Ephesians 1, 15. It says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, like I said, these the this church is doing really well. This group of people that is receiving this letter is actually doing really well. And we see that that Paul first encourages them. He said, ever since I heard about how much you are loving God and how much you are taking care of each other, I thank God every day. I thank God for how you're doing. It's great. I'm hearing about it. You guys are legends. You're doing great. And I'm thankful for that. But the awesome thing, right? So they're doing good. We know they're doing doing the stuff. What What are the greatest commandments... That when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? What did he say? He said, love God and love people. And Paul says, hey, I'm hearing that you're loving God and you're loving people. You're doing great. You're doing a good job. But then he goes on to say that I'm praying for more. There's more. Don't stop at good. Keep pushing. Keep going. There's greatness. Keep growing. 
So that's what I, I, I want to look at. There's actually um, four things that he wants them to know. That Greek word know is actually uh, the, under, the, the understanding of things ethical and divine. Kind of a cool um, definition. The word know, when we think about know, knowing things, uh, it could be simplified a little bit. Knowing your math problems or knowing your phone number. or But actually that word know is the Greek word for, for specifically knowing things ethical and things divine. And so there's a knowing that is that is a little bit bigger than just the word no as we understand it. Does that make sense? So there's four things they want that he's praying that they would know. He wants them first and foremost to know him, but to know God better. Just simply to know God better. To continue in growth in knowing God better. Just very simply, he's praying that this group of people that's loving God, that it's loving people, would know God better. I want us to kind of picture, as we're picturing this people, they're reading this letter. I don't know how they did it. But I can imagine, it's like, hey, we got another, it's not like email, right? This is like, we got another letter. We got another letter from Paul. And they would gather together, I imagine. It wasn't like it would sit on their kitchen counter for a week, like, and, and oh, yeah. it's like, we got a letter. These are hand-delivered before the post office, even before the Pony Express. And it was like, we have, we got a letter. Let's, when we'd sit around and they'd read it. And what is he saying? Oh, he's encouraging us. But he's saying, don't, don't give up. We, got, we need to know him better. Wouldn't it be amazing? The second thing is that he wants to know, he wants them to know the hope in which God has called them which we're going to talk a little bit more about later, but he wants them to know the hope in which God has called them. That's a window into, I want you to know what God's got coming. I want you to know there's a hope that God's drawing you towards. There's a hope that uh, in a future that God is actually... Well, Fenton talked a little bit about this morning and... And that God's got a plan. God's got a design. Now what's amazing about the Lord is, is through Scripture we, we see that He's got He's got a destination for us. But there's a million paths in how we can get there. And what I've learned is that there's, an actual, there's actually a path to your destiny from every place that you can be. There's a path from, to your destiny from today, from this moment, from, from what you do today. You can turn and begin to take that path towards what he has planned. Now, if you, you can actually choose to walk by that path. And there'll be another path and another one and another one and another one. For as long as, unfortunately, sometimes we actually turn away if God's destiny is over here. I know this is just kind of a mental picture I'm painting. But if God's destiny is on the, with these people over here. Not that you guys are not his destiny, but forget that. So, 
Sometimes the path we choose, the path we're taking, actually takes us farther and farther and farther away. And so every time we don't choose that path, every time we don't take it, we, it takes a little bit longer to get to where God's trying to get. Does that make sense? But everywhere you are, it's so important to remember that everywhere you are, every day, every place, there's a path that God has to your destiny. Every time. You don't ever get... You, you may get farther and farther away from the destiny itself or the, the, the place that He wants you, but there's never, there's never no access. It's an amazing thing about God. There's never no access. Sometimes you walk all the way around behind this huge mountain and now you've got to climb over it. Like, man, I wish I would have. How many of you guys can look back on your path and go, if I would have just taken that right turn that I remember seeing way back there, I would have been there already. Right? We, 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 we have that. And that. But what's amazing is sometimes we have to turn around and go all the way back. But wherever, however the journey is, there's a place from where you are right now to get to you to where God wants you to go. And what, he's, what, what Paul is encouraging the church is to, to stir up the hope. Stir up the hope for what God has called you. I think specifically he's, he's as, as God does through his people, there's two meanings here. I think that specifically writing, he's actually thinking about the church itself. That we get to hear thousands of years later, we get to actually read about this church. Can you imagine those people sitting around holding the actual letter, reading it? If they could get a glimpse of what that letter that they were holding, of what that would do. That thousands of years on the other side of the world, there's going to be a church, there's going to be a pastor, there's going to be a group. And they're going to be going over the same letter and they're going to be pulling the goodness of God out of it. They're going to be using it and turning it over to, to grow in their relationship with God. Can you imagine? But that's what he's encouraging them. Of course, that's far. But he's, he's saying, I want you to, to, to know the hope of what God has called you. Of course, there's many more things. But it's just, just one of the pictures. The third thing is to know the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. That word in just because it's really kind of cool to break this down, but that word in, inheritance in the saints, is actually the same uh, Greek word described um, when it talks about the when the angel meets with Mary and talks about that she's with child. That there's a child inside of her. Actually, it's, it's the same word describing uh, a woman with, with a child. Which is just really cool. Is that there's a there's an inheritance in the saints. There's there's an inheritance with the saints. Like a baby is with a mom before birth. There's an inheritance in the saints, like a baby is in the womb. Ooh, that's cool. You just I mean you can go all over with that. It's amazing. There's this thing that the, that the saints, this inheritance that the saints carry. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. It's, there's some keys to it right in front of this. But that God has actually put into the saints. And Paul's like, listen, I want you to know what you carry. I want you to know what's inside of you. That there's an inheritance that's been put inside of you for all the stuff that's coming. You carry it around. Just like a, a, a woman carries a baby in her womb. This is, anyway, let's, uh, this is 
I don't know if it's getting you guys. The inheritance is the kingdom. See, the kingdom is um, our inheritance. Like Jesus prayed for the kingdom to come. But, but our inheritance, our eternal inheritance is actually going to the kingdom. That's actually, it's not the moment we're in right now. Right, right now the kingdom's coming to earth. And it's our job to bring the kingdom to earth. But our inheritance is to live forever in the kingdom with the king. In his presence. It's not about the kingdom, it's about the king. But where the king is, is his kingdom. So it's our forever inheritance. We say forever, but forever isn't, isn't, isn't eternity. Because forever even has a length of time. It's eternity. Our inheritance is eternity with the king. In the kingdom. But until we get to our inheritance, the kingdom, until we get into the kingdom, the kingdom has come into us. Look back to um, verse, 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 where are we? 13 and 14. Same chapter, 13 and 14. It says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Right? That the presence of God, right, where his presence are is his kingdom. The presence of God, the kingdom of God actually was put in you. Just like a, a baby is in a mother. That there's a glorious inheritance that you carry. This glorious inheritance in the saints. Man, that's really cool. That's a really good word, Cameron. All right, the fourth thing is to know the incomparable great power for us who believe. Hmm. That through these other things and with these other things comes the power. And it's described in the next couple of verses. It's, it's pulled apart and actually looked at. But it's that same power. The power that showed up and raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power. It's not comparable with any other power. It's not, there's no scale. There's no, there's no... It's not comparable. There's no match to the power that we are meant to walk in. It's the same power. And why is it that Paul wants them to know that? Well, I think that uh, Spider-Man's uncle may have said it best. That with, what is it? What is it, Reuben? You don't remember? Oh my goodness. There we go. Yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. I thought Reuben would have my back on that one. Sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to put you in a place and make you uncomfortable. It's really not important. Um, yeah, and that, that we would have this, we would, and that, that's actually not the, not the main reason why, but the main reason is that I, I believe that we are sent here to, to impact the world. Part of your greatness, part of the greatness you're meant to walk in 
is the greatness of power. Not power for power's sake. We think about power. We think about, you know, sometimes we can get to like powerful people are scary. But actually, powerful kingdom is the answer. What do you need when nothing natural can answer the, the call? You need something more powerful. You need kingdom. You need the same power that raised Christ from the dead to show up in your body, to show up in your finances, to show up in your relationships, to show up in your kids, to show You need that. That's what we need. And Paul said he wants the church, this church that's loving God well, that's loving, they had mentionable victories in those two places. Mentionable, like he got, that Paul was actually thanking God that you're doing well in loving God and loving people. But I want you to grow in knowing that power, the power that Jesus raised from the dead. Hmm. Uh, there's a, we don't talk about it very much, but my past, um, in in my past, I was in some pretty conservative churches, and I, you guys have experience. There's there's quite a bit of the Christian church um, believers that believe that that power, signs and wonders, and miracles is not something for the present day. And for those of you who have been in this church for a long time, that sounds ridiculous. But it, you know, if you've ever seen someone healed or experience the power of God, you're like, well, how could people believe that? Well, it's true. And and, and um, this verse is actually one of those verses where where Paul's actually, uh, if you pull out this just this, this one part in the context, but just that one little verse is talking about knowing the power of God. It it It's growing in not just knowing and testimony, but actually know and experience the power of God. And it's not the power of God just to... Um, to redeem, um, it's not just the new covenant. It's actually the power of God and the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. So it's a supernatural. Anyway, I, I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but but that's this is one of the verses, one of the reasons, uh, again, that builds that idea that we are meant to walk in power. We are meant to walk in and carry the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. Uh, so, how, which is so good about Paul's writing and the way that God spoke to him and the way that he spoke to, to the church is that um, he doesn't only tell them what he wants them to do, but he actually in here tells them how. Which is really cool for us. And it makes it easy to preach. Practical. How are they going to know these things? These four things, how are they going to know? There's two ways that Paul points out. The first one is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I want, to draw, I want to draw a really clear boundary that it doesn't say, that he's not saying that it's through wisdom and revelation. Because it, it, where we face directly determines, the direction we face determines the destination that we end up at. Correct? And it may sound little, but if I'm pointing over here or I'm pointing over here, actually depends on what side of the building I end up on if I go. But he's not saying it's through wisdom and revelation. He's actually saying that it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The difference is 
The main difference in that changing that direction is that if we pursue wisdom and revelation in just studying, I'm not saying that we don't grow in wisdom and revelation. I'm saying if we pursue, if that's the direction we face, that road actually leads to religion, which is all about the more you know. It's all about the the verses you can repeat and memorize, and it's about the more you know. But you cannot pursue the spirit of wisdom and revelation without growing in relationship. You, You can't do it. Because you can't, it's not about the knowing. It's not about the, even though we're talking about knowing, the knowing comes from a a relationship with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's another good word, Cameron. I just, man, changed my life. There's something about recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I feel like growing in our, you know, growing in how we recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing, there's no, there's no substitute for experience. And you guys, those of you, some of you have been sitting here in these pews, chairs. If you lock them together, it's a pew. Some of them are locked together. Uh, Some of you guys have been sitting here listening to me talk for 10 years. You could recognize my voice on the phone. Like, you could recognize my voice. You've heard it for hours. Too many. You could recognize my voice. Now, you could explain my voice to anybody. Sounds like, however, however you would explain it. It sounds like this, it's like this, it's soothing, it's annoying, I don't know. However you explain it, you could explain it in a way that they would understand all kinds of attributes about my voice. They could, they could maybe even, if you lined up some people, they could say, they could make a pretty educated guess maybe even. But they wouldn't have a personal recognition of my voice until they sat and heard it. Now we can explain the Holy Spirit's voice to people. Because we've been sitting and listening to it, depending on who we're talking about, right? Some of us have 40 years. Some of us have four days. Some of us never feel like I've never heard the voice of God. I would challenge that you just don't know it yet. You just don't recognize it yet. Because I feel like, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit is actually constantly trying to get our attention, even if we don't recognize it I can't tell you how many times when people get introduced to the Holy Spirit they go huh that was him the whole time oh that's that's amazing I didn't even I didn't even huh. right we start getting familiar with the voice and um, what specifically Paul is talking about here is that we actually uh that it's that it's it's the I don't know if it's pursuit because I don't want to put something there that's not there. But if you hear my heart on pursuit in moving towards, it's moving towards. It's moving. It's growing in understanding and experience with the spirit of revelation and wisdom. That is how we know the things we need to know. 
it's why we put such a high value in the presence of God and being in the presence of God, because it grows, it grows us in a familiarity with the voice of God, with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so that when we come to these places where we need to operate in power, we need to know God more, we need to we need to to bring him into a situation we can hear and recognize ah, that's the Holy Spirit. Do You know why Fenton gets to be up here doing transition. It's not because he's good at it, even though most of the time he does a wonderful job. It's not all the time. You know why it is? It's because he has over and over, before he got up here, shown me that he can recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the rest is polish. The rest is just figuring out how to do that in front of you. Because the thing that matters is that, that he can hear. How many of you guys know we can hear clearly what God says and then still screw up the delivery? Like, we do that, that's fine. But that's just pol- that's what I mean by polish. That's just polishing it up. Learning how to communicate and learning the culture and all those things. But the reason why he's up here is because I recognized in him years ago that he is growing familiar in time spent with the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's growing in that. It doesn't surprise you guys. You guys know that, too. You're welcome. Hmm. The second thing, so that's the first thing, is uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The second thing is the eyes of your heart being enlightened. And Paul wants... In order to know these things and to prepare yourself to know these four things, you need the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. Now, uh, I've actually talked about this before, and, and uh, I just, if we can kind of picture, I, I love how God works, but, um, and I wish I, I actually had more of the science, but the practical, you guys will understand. Light is an amazing thing. Basically, enlightening. The eyes of your heart uh, is is the idea is that um, something maybe we would even call core values. It's like how you see the world, how you process, and uh, that our 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 core values. He's, when he's talking to the Ephesians, he's saying that I want you to actually see the world the way that God sees it. I want the the way that you see, the way that you feel and see about the world, your eyes and heart, the eyes of your heart, would be enlightened, would actually be brought into the light. Not necessarily in, we, there's, there's a, a couple places where um, light represents different things. One of the things is, is like, like we bring sin into the light um, to, for repentance and, and that kind of thing. This is not that kind of enlightenment. This is actually the enlightenment uh, that, that brings clarity and uh, and and perception. For instance, um, one of the most challenging times to see it when you're driving is actually in between dark and light. When it's really dark, you have your lights and you and your eyes know where they're supposed to go, and so it actually creates kind of boundaries. But in 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 dusk, when your lights aren't quite bright enough to light things up. 
but it's not quite light enough to actually see on your own, is this kind of weird time uh, where it oftentimes, other than the sunset, it oftentimes looks gray. If you have ever, um, it's kind of cool. Once I started teaching on this, I started actually noticing it more often. That one of the things that happens during that time is your your whole world actually almost goes black and white. In the dark, the whole world is almost black and white. It's really, you don't necessarily notice it. It's like when you you guys remember when we when we, and you go back to. I know I am old enough to actually have watched uh, black and white TV. When you uh, when you watch black and white, you didn't even know you weren't watching color until you saw a colored TV. You're like, well, I didn't even know that wasn't color. It's amazing how your brain does that. But we just fill in the colors. But actually, and so in the in the dark, and I'm not talking about pitch black. If it's pitch black, all you see is black. You can't see anything. But in the in the dimly lit, all you see is black and white. You can see shapes. You can see what's going on. You can see you could count how many fingers am I holding up. But you could hold up something that's blue, and you could hold up something that's red, and in not enough light, you could see those shapes. But they would just you would see shades, not colors. And the more that the light comes up, the more that color is revealed. That's why light is so important when we are reproducing what we see in images, in video. When we reproduce what we see, we have to get the light right. Because the light actually gives definition and color. So when we talk about the eyes of your heart being enlightened, we need to think about that we would see, there's a way to see that is not complete. There's a way to see that we could actually know how many people were here. We might even be able to see enough to recognize them, but we wouldn't see the beauty of the colors that they're wearing. Right? We have we have some detail. We can get numbers. We can get you can get a whole bunch, but there's but there's more. And what what I feel like Paul is saying is like don't give up on the more of your vision, the way you're supposed to see the world. Don't give up. Let the, let the eyes of your heart be enlightened towards towards God's plan towards his hope that there needs to be room for more and i feel like there's this i I think we can live in this continual growth of i didn't even realize that was blue i didn't even realize that was green look at how green that is i didn't realize like like there's this there's another situation that happens here that's in the natural when we have a fire season and it's smoky i've mentioned it a couple times because Oftentimes it changes. We notice the biggest change from the, from one day to another. So especially if it's been a while, you start to kind of get used to how far you can see and how much you can see if it's smoky. And then all of a sudden, right, the the uh, the um, immersion, what is it? Eversion. Anyway, that thing changes. Some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about either. So but that thing changes and all the smoke goes away. And all of a sudden it's like you're seeing in high definition. It's like, this is amazing. I can see those mountains again. And I can see the, look at the trees. And I can, and like, I feel like we actually, with the Lord, we actually can do that every day. We can do that every day in the way we see. Because when we, when we actually don't just see through our natural eyes, but we see through the eyes of our heart, meaning that we actually can see where and what God sees and how God sees. And we see colors the way he sees them. Understand, I'm making that bridging this gap between the natural and and the spiritual. But uh, but we we actually can see 
not the black and white of people's. I'll say it like this. How many of you guys understand that the church has been stuck a long time seeing black and white? Seeing black and white when they look at people. I cannot tell you in the 20 years I've been a pastor how many times I've had people apologize for, to me for sinning. I was, ah, that's, you got the wrong guy. That's not my job. Or they ask me what sin. I have, an, I have an opinion. I could read them some scripture and things like that. But what do you think this is? Do you think that is? No, we, we're all responsible for what we believe in, in our own. But how many of you guys know I'm, I'm, it's not my, my job title was never the great convictor. I, I literally have refused over and over and over to see people in black and white. Because they're not. I, it wasn't until later that I found this verse that I thought, that's it. God, keep the eyes of my heart enlightened that I would see people the way that you see them. That I would see the color in their life. That I would see all the different attributes of who they are and not just the black and white. I think it's so important. It's so key. So why? Why, why is it that loving God and loving people, why would Paul pray for more? Why? Why push through past good for great? Because it sure takes more work. It, it takes more effort. It, take, it just takes more of everything. More time. More. Why? It's not so we can be more powerful, so we can be more, so we can know more, so we can... It's, I believe it's because, again, you've heard me say this before too, I believe it's because the church is God's plan to reach the world and there isn't another plan. And so it's literally just a matter of time. We don't know how long we have before Jesus comes back and the, the time, the frame that we're in now is over. We don't know. But I strongly believe that during this time, the church has been positioned and equipped. Both are very important. We're here, but we've also been equipped. What we've been talking about today. We've also been equipped. And we've been put here and we've been equipped for now to make an impact. To actually introduce a king. Not to call out black and white. Not to be... But to just introduce the king. To, to welcome people, invite people into the kingdom. And then, at the same time, invite the kingdom into them. I mean, only they can do that. I, I, it's part, you, know, you know what I mean. Don't split Splitting hairs. <laughs> the point is, is that you're here to make a difference. You're here to make an impact. You 
you need to believe that you're a significant part of this plan to reach the world. And that, that good is exactly that. It's good. Good is good. But we're called to greatness. And the world deserves a great church. God deserves a great people. Hmm. Yeah, I'm done. Will you guys stand with me? I, uh... I know for me, like when I when I when I write these and I prepare the stuff and I'm praying over it and I'm thinking about it and how to apply it and talk about it and stuff. Um, my prayer is is it's different, but it, there's it's almost always the same. God, like, prepare the ground. In my I'm, when I'm praying for myself, God, prepare the ground. Because it's all seed. It's all like the seed that's cast of these ideas and revelation and all this stuff. And, that, and it's all good seed. But how many of you guys know that if it doesn't fall in good soil, it's, it, good seed doesn't always grow? And what I want to do is this, I, I, I guess maybe just invite you into that. That whatever seed that was thrown out today, that, um, that we just allow God to prepare the soil. Maybe we should have done that ahead of time, but it's all good. But like, uh, it's yeah. In the kingdom, it doesn't doesn't matter. But uh, but yeah, that 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 just that it, if anything caught your attention, or even if it didn't, that just God make make me good soil. That I'm, for me, it's like make what I'm what I'm preaching actually sink in and and grow and actually produce good fruit and grow to maturity and all those things. God, I want to I want to read this and I want to be this. And so uh, that's that's what I'm going to pray for you this morning, and and kind of we we take the stance of of receiving by just kind of putting our hands out, but but you know your own heart, mind, and so Lord, we just we just we just join together in that prayer. God, make us good soil. Make us good soil. Let our let our good not be the, the enemy of our great. Our goodness not be the enemy of our greatness. That God, you have called us toward you, and every step is a step towards the greatness that you are and that you've put inside of us. Make us good soil. Help us create room in our lives for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a wisdom and revelation. Lord, open the eyes of our heart that we would see the world the way that you see it. That we would see the people around us the way that you see them. God, like, uh, we just give the Holy Spirit permission to remind us when we're only seeing in black and white. To remind us that colors are missing. <laughs> Sometimes we can get used to it. And so, God, we give the, the, the Holy Spirit permission to remind us that there's more to see. We're not seeing everything. 
And God, I just pray that that seed would find good soil and would just begin to grow. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.